Hey guys, it's Carr, Gwyn, and Ode, and with us we have one of the presenters here at Pagan Fires. It's Elliot, director. Elliot, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Gosh, that's a big question. So right now, this is sort of the first time in my life I'm doing, I guess, professional witchcraft. Primarily what I do now is I work as an operations manager for the Witches Box, which is a monthly witchy subscription box, and I sort of do all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I interface with publishers, and if you ever email us, that's me emailing back. Okay. Uh, we don't have, like, a big staff. It's so like, say, I have support. <laughs> Pretty much. You could do that. I'd be like, technically I'm info at, but that's always me. Um, so that's what I do, and I talk about how I had, like, a retrograde away from witchcraft, so I started sort of exploring witchcraft in Wicca when I was 12 or 13, and I did that for basically until I got to college from 1920 on. I practiced Judaism, because that's the faith that I was born into. And it wasn't until actually about a year ago that a friend of mine made a quip about how once you're a witch, you're always a witch. Because mm-hmm. he had found out that I used to practice witchcraft, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and so ever since then, yeah, I mean, pretty yeah, much. It's like, pretty much, and, and it, it is true. Like yeah, for once sure. Once a witch, always a witch. It's true. I mean, I don't know that for everybody, and I was in a coven when I was like 14, which is not a good idea necessarily. I don't advise it if it's not a family coven. But the woman there said, you know, you're always going to be a witch. Even if you leave the craft, you'll come back to it one day. And I remember when I was a teenager thinking, Pfft. Um, and now it's true. I'm like, I'm back here, and it feels like a homecoming. If it's mm, that's so, yeah. wonderful. It's really good. Now, you taught a class here today. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about the yes, class. Yes, this is the class that I desperately wanted to attend but couldn't because I had to teach another thing. That's right. So the class, I, I wish I remembered the title, but essentially the class is Beyond Binary Witchcraft. So I did all of my graduate work and my PhD work on women's studies and gender studies, and my PhD, my dissertation was on trans stuff. Um, Not related to witchcraft at all, but so what I've done up until I started doing witchcraft professionally about a year ago was working in higher ed, doing trainings for professors, students, all kinds of things around gender inclusion. And so that was a huge part of my life, and I left higher ed, and as I dove into witchy communities, I really saw that there was not as much of a dialogue about gender inclusion, and it was still very binary. And so what the workshop is structured around, one is just like practically how can we make spaces more welcoming for non-binary and trans people. So it's things like, instead of asking the one person who you think might be trans, what are your pronouns? Mm -hmm. Inviting everybody to introduce themselves how they want, but always trying to introduce yourself with your pronoun. And allowing people to have positions in your coven or your circle or your temple that aren't based on historically binary roles. So instead of having... You're either a priest or a priestess, you might be a priestess, mm-hmm. or you might have other titles that you communicate with people that they feel like they fit. The workshop's a little bit about history and the history of binary gender in Wicca and witchcraft, but more it's about what are some steps we can take to make our spaces gender inclusive. I love that. Yeah. Now, is this the first time you've taught this class? This is the first time I've taught one that has been as honed as this one is. Uh-huh. Um, I did one actually at Cleveland Pagan Pride Days about a month ago which was sort of the, the first rough draft of this. So mm-hmm. I thank goodness for those people that are super amazing. But I got to have some more sources into it. So that right. was nice. Yeah. So are you, um, are you planning to continue to share this message at, like at other pagan festivals? For right? sure. If they're open. So the nice thing about <laughs> Pagan Fires is that it's specifically, both Pagan Fires and Cleveland Pagan Pride Days this year was that their theme was diversity mm-hmm. um, and inclusion. And so that is something that made me feel more welcome to like, maybe they'd be interested in this. And they emailed me back really excited. So that was like, it made me feel good. But I know not all festivals are open to this. So it's something that I work on. Like I've done trans sigils and prayers and I'm working on a collection of like gender inclusive prayer and like spells. But it's it's not something that I ever thought that I was going to get like do as a path. But the response that I've gotten to it from people, especially obviously trans and non-binary people has been like, where has this been? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of books out there that are amazing. Arcane Perfections is beautiful and does this. A few others do. 
there's just not enough because I think witchcraft is so huge right now and so many trans and non-binary people are coming to find this now that they really want to find that connection and it's not there as much. So I'm loving doing it. I want to keep doing it as long as people are receptive to it, I guess. Um, so we'll see. I hope so, though. Now, do you have a website or are you going to create a website where uh, people can get this information? I, I hadn't. People have been pressuring me to. I haven't committed <laughs> yet. I'm on Instagram right now as Candles and Crayons. No hyphens or anything. It's because I'm a foster dad, so it's always the baby like chewing on my candles and stuff <laughs> okay. for using them as crayons. So um, Candles and Crayons yep. on Instagram. Yep. And I'm staff of the Witcher's Box, but I don't have my own separate like site yet. Hopefully that'll come eventually. Just trying to like hustle and get like regular witchy work stuff mm-hmm. done. So. Now let me make sure I understand. Witch's Box is a, it's one of those subscriptions. Yeah, it is. It's the witchesbox.com and we're the Witch's Box on all social media. Okay. Um, and we do, once a month, we do like send out a box and we do a deep dive gathering, which is like a live discussion around the topic. And there's a really interesting like community that de- that's developed. So instead of just sending stuff out, we send stuff out and like we talk to people and we dialogue mm-hmm. and I might like, have to check that out. It's really yeah. fun. It's a really nice yeah. community. And it's it's interesting because I don't put my social media out there, but we have some regulars who are real hardcore. And they, like, will follow us on social media. And some of them have found me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, like our, our website or our Insta has, like, 110,000 followers. And I have, like, 200. But they follow me and they're like, oh, hi, Elliot. You're so great. It's so great to talk to you. So <laughs> it's really neat to, like, have connections with them outside of just, like, processing their Right, that's very cool. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. That's that's a much cooler approach to the subscription box than I think I've ever seen. Right, because yeah. we've signed we, up for we've a bunch of them to review them. Now. And so we, we'll sign up. We'll, we'll get, get a few two months. months of it, yeah. review it, cancel, move on to the next yeah, box, yeah. sign up, get a couple of months and review it, just to give people an idea mm. of the different options that they have out there. But, so but a lot of them do feel really sort of impersonal and they do. Yeah, they yeah, do. They do. They yeah. do. There's So I like this angle yeah. you all are taking. This community angle. We're hoping to keep up. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I understand because some of the bigger boxes, like, I don't know how many subscribers they have, but I imagine if you get to a point, right. it's hard. Right. So right. Probably. we're in, like, the sweet zone now where we have, like, an awesome community. And so we're growing, but I'm also like, what happens when we get to be you? When we get to certain, I know. Yeah, I want to always make friends with people. So we'll That's see. true. So you're putting together a set of prayers and rituals and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for, that are gender inclusive that are gender inclusive yeah are you going to turn that into a book um, people keep asking me that <laughs> I keep thinking. so well, maybe the, maybe the answer is i really need to look into that I because should. people keep asking me about I it should. I should. and the funny thing is every time somebody asks me i think nobody would want to read that um, oh you'd be surprised <laughs> but you have right there the evidence in I front know. of you of I'm the really people bad. who would it's, read that it's the imposter syndrome uh-huh. yeah. but so i'm I'm working on it. I had planned to have it just like as a zine for people today, but mm-hmm. I, my boss and everybody else is pushing me to look more at publishing. More traditional. So more traditional. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. I I'm think sort it's of, a yeah. wonderful idea. Yeah. Well, um, we'll, we'll keep our eyes open okay. for Absolutely. Yep. Because we were talking earlier yeah. and we were telling you about our son who, you know, he would really love, I think, to have a book mm-hmm. or, yep. of prayers, gender-inclusive mm-hmm. prayers yeah. and things like that. Because as a trans man, he has difficulty finding... Yeah, a lot of the traditional frameworks aren't relevant. Yeah, a lot of those frameworks aren't relevant for him. And he has a hard time finding groups to work with mm-hmm. that are inclusive. Yeah. So I know for sure that he would find mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. a resource very valuable. Well, I think Ode would too. Yeah, yeah. as a non-binary. So, right. Yep. You know, those are things that I think are important and something that I think Gwen and I coming into paganism expected it to be more inclusive than mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something we've talked about on the podcast in our liminal episodes but 
having somebody else who can be a voice in that and bring it in. Mm-hmm. So, like, those... As we much need as more possible, more those, those are the voices, voices yeah, that we want to amplify. Right. Yeah. Those public voices who mm-hmm. can say, hey, some change needs to be made here. And it can be, you know, there Just are... Just because be... we're doing better than the overculture doesn't mean we can't do better than we are. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And we have Misha Magdalene, yeah. who's yeah. a wonderful voice for the inclusion subject. for yeah. this yeah. subject. But I think the more we can get, yeah. the more people are going to say, yeah, this is something that we really yeah. do need These are to valuable. stop dragging our heels on. These are valuable yeah. perspectives. These are them, valuable so. perspectives. And we have valuable people who deserve our attention. Mm-hmm. And I know we have quite a few in our listenership, in our pride of yes. listeners. So uh, we yeah. want them to feel included in, and a part of all of this. Yeah. And I think that's why so. I started doing the workshops. Because I like I was hoping that people would come who are maybe in like common leadership or community leadership mm-hmm. and like maybe have some new options for how to interact with people at so I don't know if we got any covered leaders, but when I did it after Pagan Pride, somebody stopped me afterward, and she wasn't trans or non-binary, but she talked about a sibling of hers who wanted to get involved in coven work, but the coven that was nearest to them was very binary and sort of mm-hmm. trans exclusionary, like explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's hard. And so she was like not even sure where to refer her brother to, and I I could refer to like tons of trans inclusive trans stuff and gender mm-hmm. stuff in the Cleveland area but in general there's not a lot about like witch stuff and all of the trans almost all of the trans like literature out there is anthologies mm-hmm. so there's not like a larger sustained philosophical or theological piece so yeah. right so know, maybe someday we'll so see. we need to do better is what <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing yeah. nice. the witchcraft and pagan communities we need to do better in yeah. this area and I think it's I mean it's not even some of it seems like it's like really big like and part of the workshop is questioning like what do you think about your God? Like, mm-hmm. when you think about our God or our goddess, do you think about their sex? Um, and often not, but what if your God was, like, a trans man and you just mm-hmm. didn't realize that? Or what if your God wanted to be in drag for a day? Um, mm-hmm. And so those are the bigger what if questions. What your God was Odin and spent several years in drag? Yep. That's right. What about Loki? Exactly. I mean, hello? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Loki's actually part of the story about Loki and Sleipnir is part mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah. Um, and I love that story. That's part of, like, I'm working on children's fairy tales about queerness and consent. Um, and so that's one of the ones that I'm sort of revising for that. But I think that there's so little of that out there that it's really needed. Yeah. And so that's part of why I started doing the workshop, because I was like, maybe if we can just get the ideas out there, then other people will run with it. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, well, we appreciate the work that you're doing. We do. And we appreciate you coming out here and doing it publicly and talking to us on the podcast about it. So more yeah. people can hear about it mm-hmm. as we, and maybe start looking into this themselves and really examining the issue. It's not just something you have to examine in your communities. It's something you have to examine in, in yourself. Your, in yourself. What your, what your personal biases and, yeah. and prejudices and unexamined habits are. Exactly. And that can be really hard to to hard face. Yeah. It's hard work and you really have to look deep within yourself to say, am I excluding people? Yeah. Just by know, default. Just by default. And... Is there a way I can I can change that? Because I think the pagan community, we need to lead the way in this. <laughs> I think it's especially hard when, I think for a lot of people who are women-identified, you come to paganism or witchcraft or heathenry or heathenism or druidry, and it's really a liberation thing. Like, so much of it is, like, breaking out of a patriarchal religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all Christianity is patriarchal necessarily, but I think that you get here and it's this huge liberation thing and then if you're, like, involved in these communities or these spiritual practices that are so heavily centered on goddess or the balance of the god and the goddess, then if someone comes along and wants to tweak that or challenge mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Well, you have you this like, defensive... Yeah, like, yeah. if that saved you, well, why should I have to change this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I understand a little bit of pushback when you feel so much like this is revolutionary, you know, mm-hmm. that this is what you've been looking for. Mm-hmm. So I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again, Elliot, yeah. for spending this time with us. 
we bless your work and we'll mm-hmm. do whatever we can to support it. Yeah. Yep. And we, look for, we look forward to a book. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we want a book. <laughs> if I get it, you'll be the first to hear it. Awesome. <laughs> and we'll review it. And we'll review it. <laughs> okay. Absolutely.